We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm your host, Walker Wildman, your host each weekday here on the network on the show, AFA at the Core. You can find out more information about the show, more information about our radio network by going to our website, AFR.net, AFR.net. And as you just heard there on the spot, you can also download the American Family Radio app. That's a new spot we got running uh, talking about the American Family Radio app. So go and download the American Family Radio app, listen live, and listen to past shows at your convenience here on American Family Radio. But make sure, most importantly, you check out AFA at the core. And by the way, some of you know this because you've been utilizing it, but uh, anytime we mention a link or a story and we say we're going to post it on our podcast page, that's where you can go uh, to the AFA at the core podcast page on AFR.net. And a lot of the stuff we talk about uh, we'll post there for your convenience, such as the links that Twyla Bray's talked about yesterday on the show. All of those links were linked on my uh, podcast page for your convenience, for your consumption, because we want to make sure we uh, not only inform our listeners, but we equip you guys with the information to read on your own, to digest yourself. Our verse of the week is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And if you want to know what the definition of love is, well, then you need to go to 1 Corinthians and read uh, the love chapter. Uh, And God, uh, through uh, 1 Corinthians, through the author there, he describes what love is. uh, What is biblical love? Because in today's world, um, Love can mean a lot of different things according to the world. But if you look at what God's Word says there in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 13, uh, it will tell you what is godly love. How should we define love as believers? And so then that from that, you can uh, fully interpret and understand Proverbs 3, verse 3 and 4, about love and faithfulness never leaving you. That's our scripture for the week. I've talked about this extensively, but I'm so proud of it, so I'm going to mention it again. And that is our American Family News uh, website, our brand-new website where we've revamped uh, what was once onenewsnow.com. We've revamped it. Uh, We've done a name change. It's all called American Family News. So the newscast that you hear on the radio network each hour, um, uh, the website, all of it is American Family News, and our URL is... Uh, one-fourth the length that it was. It's now just AFN.net. So it's easy for you folks to remember. As uh, we give out information here, you can go to AFN.net and go to the American Family News website there and get news from a Christian perspective. We have a great news team that provide news each day here on American Family Radio and on their website, AFN.net. 
I wanted to talk more about what's going on in Afghanistan because the 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 the, the news just keeps building and building as far as the information we're getting, although it's really not much uh, clear information. We're getting all these mixed signals from the Biden administration. It really looks like, and I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not not being a political hack here. I mean, it really appears that that they just don't know what they're doing. I don't think that's an overstatement. You you watch the the Pentagon press conferences. You watch the State Department press conferences. Uh, you watch Biden come out uh, yesterday. Um, it was either yesterday or the day before that, but he comes out not not the press conference on Afghanistan. I'm talking the press conference the next day where he comes out. He flies back from Camp David for the second time and does a press conference on a booster shot for uh, coronavirus, for COVID-19. He does the booster shot press conference that in September the CDC will be announcing that you can get a booster shot. Well, he just turns around and walks out, turns around and walks out of this uh, announcement, this press conference, and Bobby, I mean, that even the left was stunned that he came back, did a press conference out of all that's going on in Afghanistan, did this, well, it's not really a press conference, did this announcement on the vaccine booster shot, and then completely walks out without taking a question. Yeah, and that video clip uh, pretty much says it all. Uh, the, the, the cameras could have quit the pan in following him out because it took him a good 20, 25 steps to get across the room and out the door. So you know the reporters were looking for more from this Absolutely. They were leader yelling of at the free world. Yeah. And he just masked up, walked out the door, and, and I guess he went to the nearest ice cream shop. I don't know what happened there. but Yeah, yeah, and you know, this is, folks, this, if this were Donald Trump, I'd be concerned. But this is Joe Biden. The man who's supposed to be in charge. And guess what he's doing this weekend, folks? He's going to Delaware. He's going to Delaware for, I don't know, five to seven days. It just depends. Yeah, he can't sleep in the White House right now. He need he needs his rest and quiet. Yeah, and but that's Bobby, that's that's what's crazy. Because a typical president during this time would be in the situation room, would be on top of but but this guy's AWOL. Leaders lead, sleepers sleep. I think that accurately describes the Biden administration. Uh, who's in charge? We don't know. We don't know. And it's not as if President Biden has has delegated this and put someone as like the um, the go to person um, in charge. But, you know, like a special envoy or something. We have nobody. There's nobody in the administration, in the executive branch that has been assigned this job of fixing what's going on in Afghanistan. It's the blame is spreading across the board. You've got the Pentagon blaming the State Department, State Department planning the, blaming the Pentagon. You've got the Pentagon blaming the intelligence community. You've got Biden blaming the intelligence community. I mean, who's in charge here? Nobody knows who's in charge. And, and guess what? The terrorists are capitalizing on this. Uh, the Taliban, the terrorists, they are capitalizing on this. And just to give you some more background here on the chaos there are reports, and we really don't know because our government apparently isn't keeping up with this. We really don't know definitively how many Americans are still in Afghanistan. And I don't want to hear anything about these Afghan interpreters and these Afghan allies. As long as we got American citizens in there, they come first. So this whole talk about we got to get our Afghan allies out, 
No, we get Americans out, and then we can talk about getting the Afghan allies out. There's something important about being an American citizen. It means that your government should protect you when you are in danger overseas. Your government should attempt to protect your life. Why? Because you're an American citizen. There's there's something special and important about that historically that our government, our military, has gone above and beyond to protect American life overseas. This should be no different. This should be no different, especially since our own government allowed this chaos to ensue allowed this to happen. So Americans get out first, then we can talk about the Afghans. Then we can talk about the Afghans. But you know what we're seeing now? The first flight out on on the first day of evacuations, after the chaos had already ensued, some of the first few flights had 2,000 people on them. Of the 2,000, only 300 were American citizens. 1,700 Afghan nationals, non-U.S. citizens, got evacuated first. Listen to that. Over three-fourths of the people that were evacuated on day one were non-U.S. citizens. And they're being brought to the homeland. They're being brought to Europe. And that that's concerning, considering the number that the Biden administration has now revealed that they first didn't know about, but they're saying somewhere between 10 to 15,000 Americans remain trapped in Kabul, in Afghanistan. Here's a clip to show the incompetence that our government leaders are expressing, and I've got multiple clips here, but we're going to go with clip five here. This is the Pentagon Press Secretary Kirby and others talking about how they really don't know how many Americans are in Afghanistan? Clip five. Let's listen. Have those numbers, the seven thousand, saying this is U.S., this is Afghan. This is- I, I do not have a. Uh, I do not have a breakdown. I, I suspect that over time, as our manifesting process gets more refined, we may be able to be that be there. But I, uh, we don't have that specific breakdown. Well, as of today, how many Americans, uh, American citizens, remain in in Afghanistan? I don't know. So, so, so you're. I mean, you're planning for these operations, and you should be, you know, have some kind of account of how many Americans are, whether in harm's way or need to be evacuated, right? I think, as you probably know, um, uh, first of all, the State Department would be a better place to go for an estimate of how many Americans are Afghanistan or in and around Kabul. That is not a figure that the United States military would would know, and... um, and I think, as you also know, not every American citizen in another country, uh, uh, th- there's no obligation that they register their presence uh, and, and, that we, and that you can have a, a perfect, accurate count. But I, I don't have that figure, and I, I'd refer you to my State Department colleagues for the best estimate on that. Go talk to the State Department. I don't know. I've got, we've got the largest military in the world, Bobby. This guy's a retired admiral who's speaking, and he, he's talking about personnel accountability. I guarantee you, he knew everybody on his ship and where they were. Yes, because he had he had all his subordinate commanders to to identify and manifest. Which, if they did this back in April and May, they wouldn't be having this problem. But no, right? They decided to get away with that specialized group just to get people out of Afghanistan. Yeah, you were talking about that before we went live on the show, and this this is a story that broke within the last twenty four hours, and the story is. That the Trump administration, along with other NATO allies, our EU allies, were working on 
uh, I'm sorry, UN allies, were working on and had developed a very complex, sophisticated contingency plan mm. to ensure that American citizens and Afghan allies could get out of Afghanistan when we withdraw our military troops. Correct. Well, guess what? The Trump derangement syndrome went into full uh, a kick, and the Biden administration, the reports are now that the Biden administration and the Biden State Department completely dismantled the working group and the entire plan that the Trump administration had worked on to prevent what we are seeing now. That's exactly right. That is completely reckless. They, they abolished the plan because it had Trump's name on it. They abolished the plan uh, that would safely ensure that American citizens and Afghan allies get safely evacuated without the chaos, without the chaos. But here's what's going on now, and here's the pinch that we're in as a country and as the military. And by the way, that what what the, the Pentagon just said there, I would say based on common knowledge, that is not true. The statement that we don't know how many Americans are in Afghanistan is an untrue statement. We've got the passport system. Everybody that comes into that international airport gets their passport scanned. At least they should be if it works like any other airport in the world. We've got all kinds of intelligence assets. We know how many Americans are in Afghanistan. And if we don't, that's even a bigger problem, that our systems in place are not working. We know where Americans are all around the world. At least we should if our systems are working properly. So this idea that we're just throwing out numbers and it could be five Americans, it could be 15,000, that's just not true. And so why are they hiding how many Americans specifically are in Afghanistan because they don't want us to know the number. They don't want us to know the number. And they may not want the Taliban to know the number either. But we shouldn't be at this point. We'll play more clips and more information about the chaos going on in Afghanistan and how this could have all been prevented. Absolutely could have all been prevented with bold leadership. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced he's resigning from his post as the Empire State's top elected official after the state attorney general's report found he sexually harassed multiple women. He announced his resignation would be effective 14 days from the date of announcement, at which point current Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul will be sworn in as his replacement. It's interesting that many of the same elected officials who hailed Cuomo in 2020 have turned against him in less than a year's time. And this all happens to coincide with the 2022 midterm campaign season just about to kick off in earnest. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Does your daughter fall into the cycle of starting a hobby and almost always quitting it a few months in? It's likely more of a perfectionism issue than a commitment one. For achievement-driven girls, not being the best somehow equates to being the worst, and so they quit. The plague of perfectionism is the inherent belief that love is a result of achievement. Affirm your girls in the truth that both your love and God's love comes without stipulation. Guide her to scriptures like 1 John 3.1 or Jeremiah 31.3 to fill her heart. Challenge your girl to revisit an old hobby just for the fun of it. Dig out that tennis racket. Revisit the painting canvas. No competition, no lessons, just pure fun. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Hi, I'm Will Addison, and on behalf of American Family Association, we would like to invite married couples to participate in this month's By Design Challenge. It's simple but profound. Go to afa.net slash bydesign and sign a petition that expresses your commitment to your God-given marital covenant. While there, you will see a PDF file that will allow you to print out a covenant document for you to sign and date as a symbol of the promise you made before God to your spouse. Marriage was created by God for His glory. No wonder the enemy fights so hard to destroy it because he hates anything God creates. Go to afa.net slash by design to be encouraged and reminded that our marriage is God's marriage and it's worth fighting for. One man, one woman, for life. For life. To participate in this month's challenge, visit afa.net slash by design. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network. We've been talking about what's going on in Afghanistan and our incompetent leaders here in America. And, and folks, when we talk about, and you've heard different politicians and leaders talk about peace through strength, the Trump administration talked about that extensively. Uh, that is a true strategy, peace through strength. And we saw that it worked under the Trump administration. But now we have weak leadership and a leadership that either doesn't care about what's going on around the world. They're completely, they're either completely disengaged and they don't care or, or, or they don't understand what's going on. And when I say not understanding, you talk about even the Obama administration, uh, the way they talk about our enemies is bizarre. They talk about our enemies as if we can coddle them, we can persuade them, we can drop pallets of cash to them like we did with Iran, and that all of a sudden these America haters are going to like us. And all of a sudden they're going to be diplomatic, and we're going to work together, and we're going we're gonna to export democracy through pallets of cash to the terrorists. I mean, this is a, a naive... <laughs> foreign policy strategy that fundamentally does not understand human nature. And the, and the media now, the, the Sky News 
and CNN and these major media conglomerates, these international media conglomerates, are covering the Taliban like they're the latest new band, like they're the latest new rock band. Oh, look at the Taliban. We just got to understand the Taliban. These guys are animals. They're beating people in the streets of Afghanistan. They're killing people. They're, they're beating women for not wearing their burqas down the street. This is a disaster. These people are animals. There's no negotiating with these people. They're illegitimate, and we should not recognize them as some kind of government. This is insanity. And I'm not saying we stay there forever for 150 years fighting a war, but I'm saying we've got to treat these people like they are. They're terrorists. We cannot legitimize them. But someone who fundamentally disagrees with me is a general out of the UK. I came across this this morning. This is stunning. This is not a parody. This is not a joke. Uh, This is how, and this way of thinking has seeped its way into American leadership. Uh, This is a general in the UK, the chief of defense in the UK, and his name is Nick Carter. He's been in the UK Army since 1977. And this is him in an interview with Sky News defending the Taliban. Let's listen. And how do you feel about collaborating with the enemy when um, they have carried out such atrocities against UK military personnel over the years? I think you have to be very careful using the word enemy. Um, I think people have need to understand who the Taliban actually are. And of course, what they are, a disparate collection of tribespeople. As President Karzai put it to me only yesterday, they're country boys. Uh, and the plain fact is that they happen to live by a code of honour and a standard which has been their standard for many, many years. It's called Pashtun Wali. It has honour at the heart of what they do. They are bound together by a common purpose, which is they don't like corrupt governance. They don't like governance that is self-serving. And they want an Afghanistan that is inclusive for all. So I think rather than talking about... Except women. What? Except women. Um, Well, again, I think we have to wait and see. I mean, I don't know what they mean. We can't support, though, the way that they treat women, surely. Well... I think you have to listen to what they're saying at the moment, and I think you have to listen to the facts on the ground. They are definitely. They are definitely. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's anything that you and I would approve of, particularly. I'm just clarifying that. Absolutely, but I do think that they have changed. I think they recognise that over the course of the last 20 years, Afghanistan has evolved. They recognise the fundamental role that women have played in that evolution, and yes, they at the moment will undoubtedly say that they want to respect women's rights under Islamic law, and that will be a Sharia law. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't allow them to be involved in government and in education and in medicine and those things that they need them to be involved in. So I think we have to be patient. We have to give them the space to show how they are going to step up to the plate. This reveals a very twisted, very flawed way of thinking. This is a, this is a very humanistic way of thinking that doesn't understand the sin nature and the evil nature of these people. This UK general, who is a military leader, this guy's not some some ambassador or diplomat that's never held a military role, that's never fought in wars. This is a guy who's supposed to know about evil in the world and how militaries are there to squash evil. Well, here he is basically going on an apology tour with Sky News in Europe for the Taliban. Well, they're just country boys, and we've got to understand them, and they need their space, and they'll respect women's rights as they're flogging women in the streets of Afghanistan as we speak. And, Af- and the Taliban have said 
that sure, we'll respect women's rights as long as it's within Sharia law, which is no women's rights at all. And this, if you think this is secluded to the UK, oh, no, no. This way of thinking is in the U.S. Because let's remember, if we want to do another flashback, let's remember that the Obama State Department spokesperson said, may have even been the Pentagon, she said during the Obama administration that ISIS, the Islamic Caliphate in Syria, they needed jobs. That was the core problem there, she said. These guys need opportunity. <laughs> they need jobs. Bobby's laughing as if I'm that, reading off the Babylon Bee. That's an excellent recall point. Excellent recall but point. But she said she went on, uh, on at, at an American uh, press conference on American soil. She said, these guys, look, basically, we've we got to have some sympathy for the guys over there slaughtering people. They need jobs. They need infrastructure jobs, <laughs> as they would say now. No, these guys are ideologically driven. They're driven by their what they view as their religion, a false religion. It's what Christianity calls it. It's a false religion. And it's all about domination and power, and it's not about human rights. And that's one, that's the fundamental difference. Steve Dace talked about it in the article that I read the other day. This is about worldviews. This is not something where we can export democracy, export Western culture, and these guys are all of a sudden going to go, yeah, you know what? We've had it wrong for the last several hundred years. You're right. We need to get rid of our culture. We need to get rid of our traditions. We need to get rid of our faith, their faith, the false faith, and we need to buy this Western ideal. No, it's not. It doesn't happen. It just does not happen. You have to have heart change uh, in order to make long-term lasting change. We see that every day here in America. Hearts have to be changed in order to see long-term human behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, a, couple, a couple other clips here. This is the Pentagon. You know, we had uh, a Lloyd Austin, the Pentagon chief, uh, the Secretary of Defense, uh, this guy at this press conference, uh, Secretary Austin, um, he was waffling and ooing and on and throwing some ands and some ums and some buts as if he didn't even prepare for the press conference, as if he didn't even prepare for the press conference. Well, this is, uh, let's see, I've got so many clips. We're going to, yeah, let's listen to clip three. This is Secretary of Defense Austin about whether we have the ability to save American lives in Afghanistan. Uh, we will continue to uh, deconflict uh, issues with uh, with the Taliban, and we will stay focused on securing uh, the uh, the airfield. We cannot afford to either not defend that airfield or or, or not have an airfield that's secure, where we have hundreds or thousands of civilians uh, that can access uh, uh, the airfield at will and put our forces at risk. But that doesn't answer the question. You're still saying you're focused on the airfield. They, these people can't get into the airfield. Well, we're going to do everything we can to uh, continue to try to uh, deconflict uh, and and create uh, uh, passageways for them to get to the airfield. I don't have the capability to go out and and extend operations currently into uh, into uh, Kabul. And and where do you take that? I mean, how far can you extend into Kabul? You know, and, uh, and and how long does it take to flow those forces in to be able to do that? So it sounds like you're saying this depends on diplomacy with the Taliban. That's it. That's our only option is getting them to agree to do this. That um, that would have been like me going and doing the press conference. 
I leave Tupelo, Mississippi. I fly to D.C. completely unprepared, have not studied up, have not talked to my assistants, have not talked to the White House. And Walker Wildman goes to the Pentagon and does this random press conference about stuff I know nothing about. And that's my answer. Well, uh, what, what do you expect us to do? Well, we've got about ten to 15,000 American citizens on foreign soil, arguably the largest hostage situation in American history. This makes Iran hostage situation look like kids play. But I don't have, I don't have the ability. Well, you know what? You may not have the ability at this moment, but don't tell the world that. At least act like you've got the ability. Well, how important is this to us? How important is it to get Americans out of Afghanistan? That's the question. Because if it's a priority, we can make it work as a country. We've got the greatest military in the world. We can't secure Kabul to get American citizens out? Come on. We know we can. We took over these countries in days, dropping in people on parachutes, dropping in assets like in, in hours. Uh, we took over this country when we invaded in a matter of days, and here we are, can't get American citizens out uh, of a country that we spent $2 trillion and American blood, sweat, and tears on, and we can't get Americans out of even Kabul. We're not talking about the rest of Afghanistan. We're just talking about one city in uh, Kabul, and you watch the videos of what's going on outside of the airport, um, it's not good. Uh, there's a reason that even if Americans, from what we're seeing on the videos, even if Americans can manage to get to the international airport there in Kabul, them getting in through the airport through security is very difficult because you have thousands of Afghan nationals uh, marching and, and, and parading outside of the airport, causing all kind of confusion, You've got the Taliban out there doing all these gunshots. Um, so even if Americans could get to the airport, uh, getting them through security and in the airport, Bobby, is, is proving very challenging from what we're hearing. But but again, if if they had their contingency plans in place. That's key. Our glorious president has said that no contingency has gone uh, unnoticed or, or not being worked or had been worked. Uh I seem to want to disagree with that wholeheartedly because if if they had these plans in place, you would already have the pathways and access points to the airport secured, Taliban-free, uh, and all that goes along with that. You would have other uh, areas to uh, evacuate these people from, not just Kabul, but also, uh, you know, like we were talking about during the break, there's over 400 NATO facilities uh, that have uh, uh, runways that can accommodate these these aircraft. C-17s don't need a great deal of rollout uh, in order to get out of uh, these particular areas. That's why they were designed to be the type of aircraft that they are. And uh, this this is just unconscionable. I've never seen such buffoonery uh, in my 40-plus years with the government and with the military. And you have Bagram Air Base to the north, about 40 miles to the north of Kabul, uh, that we let the Taliban take control of. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's could, worried about securing the airport. <laughs> right, the international airport. That that If we would have kept Bagram Air Base until we got all American citizens out, um, then we could be using that for transport as well and for housing Afghan nationals and American citizens. Uh, but here we are. We've got this international airport uh, that they're having trouble with securing it. Um, so a really bad situation there. And um, 
the Pentagon can't answer this question, and we're going to play mm. the clip, as to whether our uh, tax dollars are buying uh, fuel for the airplanes from the Taliban. The Taliban have How taken over. How are you fueling your planes? How the are C-17s you fueling your planes, the C-17s that are going out? Are you now in a position that you have to buy fuel from the Taliban? Um, the assets uh, on HKIA, uh, on the airfield, are uh, what we need uh, to maintain the operations, all operations, to support the mission. So that's a no. You're not buying fuel from the Taliban. There, there is, there's um, plenty of fuel. Sustainment capability at uh, Hamid Karzai uh, Airport, and as you know, Jen, we also have the ability uh, of our uh, on our own our logistics ability to to fuel our aircraft as needed. Uh, this is a question that should be like answered in one second. No, we're not buying fuel from the Taliban. We don't buy our resources from terrorists. Next question. The fact that they paused, Bobby, makes me wonder: Are we buying our air our aircraft fuel? for our military aircraft from terrorists. Yeah, and, and during the clip, you know, again, this was General Taylor who we played uh, yesterday, I believe, one of his clips. General Taylor is a two-star, two-star director of operations in theater. Fuel requirements is part of what he should know about, but he steps back from the lectern and lets the press, and lets the press secretary from the Pentagon answer what he should already know. Yeah. And he looks at him like, should I answer this question or should How I How do just- I answer it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you should Permission know. Permission to speak freely, sir. Yeah. Does military policy allow us to buy resources and fuel from terrorists? That's a that should be an operational question. That's a policy in existence that guides your missions. Can we buy fuel from terrorists? Yes or no. But the fact that he backs away from the podium, moves to the side, lets the press secretary, who probably knows little about actual military stuff, come up and answer that, and actually not answer it. Uh, that's concerning. So are we buying our aircraft fuel from the Taliban now that they control all of Afghanistan? That's a question we should know about. That's our tax dollars, folks. Um, this is, it is as if everyone has left Washington, D.C. and we replaced everybody in Washington with a bunch of cartoon characters and they're all taking turns answering the questions. I've never seen such. These are the experts, folks. These are the people that get paid big bucks to lead our country, and they can't answer questions, some of the most fundamental questions that should be easy to answer. They can't do it. What is going on in Washington, D.C.? You and I deserve an answer. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. 
We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. You know, when Matthew 19, the the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, author and seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, we see right-to-life efforts all over the news these days. What does the Bible say about this? Chris, the Bible is clear. Humankind is created in the image of God with great value and worth in His sight and is to be respected and protected. At conception, the embryo takes on human status, although not yet completely grown. The Bible discusses how the growing embryo as an individual has feelings and on some occasions even expresses itself. When a pregnant woman was injured in Bible times, such that the baby lost its life, there were consequences to be faced. The Bible doesn't give us all the details, but there's enough there to be certain that the unborn child is a viable human person and must be protected. Chris, the back-to-Genesis way of thinking helps us understand modern issues. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us this last segment. I've got several uh, other stories to get to, some pretty um, interesting other stories going on around the country. This, uh, this story is out of the Christian Post, and Hobby Lobby's been uh, with uh, battling in court over whether they can regulate uh, which restroom their employees use, meaning men use men restrooms and women use the women's room. That has been the battle in court. It's it's uh, astonishing as a country that we have to battle that in court now. Uh, but here's what's going on with Hobby Lobby. This case has kind of flown under the radar for several years, but reading directly from this news article, a state court has ordered the Christian-owned craft store chain Hobby Lobby to pay over $200,000 in fines for refusing to allow one of its trans-identified employees to use the women's bathroom, which means it's a man. A three-judge Illinois appellate court panel unanimously ruled Friday that Hobby Lobby violated the Illinois Human Rights Act by declining to allow one of its employees to use the bathroom that corresponds with the person's gender identity instead of their actual biological sex. As explained in the decision, the employee, biological male, who now identifies as a female, began working for Hobby Lobby in 1998. In 2007, while working as an employee of the Hobby Lobby in East Aurora, Somerville, 
began to transition. Well, Somerville's the name person's name began to transition from male to female. So, nonetheless, uh, this Illinois court court granted uh, Hobby Lobby a loss here, and the transgender individual a a win. And so this is this is not even a a customer. This is an employee that now, according to this legal precedent, uh, men. Uh, employees can go into the women's restroom so long as they say, raise their hand and say, I'm a female today. And remember, this is, this is the, what happens when you, when you rebel against God, when you rebel against his design for creation, his design for humans, meaning male and female is how he created them in the book of Genesis. When you stray from that and you start making up your own subjective rules as to what a man is and a woman is, then you get this, you get utter chaos and instability. And in this case, uh, uh, Hobby Lobby now has to allow male employees to be able to go into the female restroom, which is absolutely stunning. And you know, one thing that's not ever talked about in these stories, because the the law here that got this, uh, got Hobby Lobby hung up is this Illinois Human Rights Act. Well, what about the human rights of women? What about the human rights of biological women? And it's even funny, we even have to use that biological before the term woman. Women are women and men are men. We really shouldn't have to use that, but people are so confused now that we do. We have to be more specific (laughs) than the terms themselves. What about the human rights of women? And somebody made a good point yesterday, uh, last night on one of the uh, evening shows I was watching on another network about you know, where are all these these human rights groups about Afghanistan? Where is, like, the human rights campaign here in America? All these left-wing lobbying groups who say they're all about women's rights. Well, where are they now? Women are being flogged and beaten and abused and raped in Afghanistan by these brutal terrorists that are our enemy. They're our ideological enemy. And these, other, these left-wing groups are just applauding the Biden administration. Pelosi's saying Biden did a great job. Where are they? It's because it doesn't fit their narrative because if they criticize the, the terrorists, the Taliban, well, then they'll be, they'll be Islamophobic. That's what they accuse us of being. If you criticize the terrorist, you're Islamophobic. So they can't criticize the terrorist. Instead, uh, Bobby, they sit idly by while women are beaten, abused, and raped in Afghanistan. Well, it just, it just further proves their ideologies, their agenda, uh, and it's not truly against, uh, truly in support of women's rights. If it would be, this would be a, a, a no-brainer, case-closed type of situation, and it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know who they think they're offending in terms of uh, the Taliban and all of their followers, but um, it just makes no rational sense um, how young women are getting slaughtered. They can't go to school past the age of 12, but yet the Taliban say that they're going to make them inclusive in the government and medicine and teaching and so on and so forth. Yeah. They've got a long, long way to go, and you're going to sit back and watch them progress and evolve as our U.K. general Mm. uh, has spoken about. So how long is this evolution going to take place? 20 years, 30 years? And at the cost of how many women's lives? Yeah, and if history tells us anything, which we should be paying attention to history, uh, the evolution is not going to happen. <clears throat> it's absolutely not going to happen. We're naive to think it is. Uh, this story is out of Connecticut. And, you know, if you 
think the uh, the COVID uh, edicts and mandates and hysteria couldn't get any higher or louder. Uh, this is a university in Connecticut, Quinnipiac University. Many of us have heard of this university. They run some pretty well-known polling during election cycles. Well, Quinnipiac University has announced that students who, young, healthy students who don't get the shot, who don't get the jab, uh, they can now be fined up to 2275 bucks, and they'll lose their internet access on campus if they do not get the jab. Uh, yes, you heard me right. Not only will you have to pay a fine, but you can't access a what is now argued, maybe not uh, legally official, but what is now argued as a public utility, and that is access to internet to conduct business, to conduct daily life. Uh, these students on this campus cannot access the internet if they don't get the jab at Quinnipiac University. And we've seen where other students uh, and other employees are getting fired, getting let go because they're not getting the jab across the country. And this brings us back, you know, to the Hobby Lobby story. Okay, so so either employers have the right to control their business environment or they don't. And legally, the left has created this muddy water where you really don't know where the left and the radicals and the Marxists stand when it comes to the right of companies to conduct their business operations how they see fit. Because if it's if it's Jack Phillips in Colorado, well, he's got to bake the cake. We can't discriminate. He must bake the cake. I don't care about his religion. Okay, he's got to bake the cake. Well, these these other people say, that the employer has the right to demand the jab. The employer is the sole proprietor. They have the legal right to demand the jab. It's their business, their 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 uh, property, their money. They get to demand it. Well, which one is it? Is the employer fully in charge of their business or are they not? Because right now, there's legal mixed signals all across the board, and it really all has to do with ideology and politics and nothing about legal consistency in the country. And I've never said, you know, um, I've never argued against businesses being able to control their business. Because it is, in my personal opinion, it is a dangerous precedent to allow third parties and courts to start meddling around in the affairs of private-run businesses. Because that can be taken anywhere you want it to go. And, of course, if a business is violating the law, that's a different story, but we're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about internal um, business standards and courts being able to meddle around with them. Another story, this is actually a good news story out of Louisiana. A U.S. District Court judge in Louisiana has uh, granted a stay or a hold on a vaccine or a shot mandate at Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine, that was a mouthful there, uh, short for VCOM, or VCOM for short. And this uh, college in Louisiana was trying to force all of their students to get the jab, to get the shot. And this uh, federal court stepped in and said uh, that this was uh, too burdensome, basically, in Louisiana. So these students uh, that sued, two students sued the university they got a hold on the requirement, and um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that to see where that goes. So 
you know, there are law firms. I talked to somebody who is up to speed on all the uh, religious freedom law firms across the country, and they're getting inundated with hundreds and in some cases thousands of requests of what to do if uh, your employer or your school or whatever environment is requiring you to get the shot. What do you do? And many people are concerned about it. They want uh, some legal advice. Uh, Twyla Braze mentioned yesterday that these um, uh, that, that these law firms are being inundated uh, with requests for information. And one uh, website that I'll go ahead and give you now is the Pacific Justice Institute, led by our good friend uh, Brad Dacus. I've been keeping up with his work, and he has uh, an entire page and resource available to help answer some of these questions. Uh, so his website is simply pacificjustice.org. Pacificjustice.org. We'll post that on our podcast page. Uh, but Brad Dacus at PJI, Pacific Justice Institute, right there on his homepage, he has um, resources to help answer some of these legal questions as it relates to the COVID-19 shot or the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. So we'll post that on my podcast page at AFR.net to link over to. Uh, another story I came across, and this shows you that the more we study things, sometimes the way we view them often changes. Well, you know, we've seen these plastic barriers being put up all around the world inside of convenience stores, inside of gas stations, inside of grocery stores, and uh, your even your home improvement stores threw up these plastic barriers in the name of slowing the spread of the coronavirus. Well, a study that was done actually shows that that may not actually be very helpful at all. As a matter of fact, it may be counterproductive. This is a published report put out today reading directly from this news story here. COVID precautions have turned many parts of our world into a giant salad bar with plastic barriers separating sales clerks from shoppers, dividing customers at nail salons, and shielding students from their classmates. <laughs> Intuition tells us that plastic shields would be protective against germs, but scientists who study aerosols, airflow, and ventilation say that, say that much of the time, the barriers don't help and probably give people a false sense of security. Furthermore, sometimes the barriers can actually make things worse, reading directly from this story. Research suggests that in some instances, a barrier protecting a clerk behind a checkout counter may redirect the germs to another worker or customer. Rows of clear plastic shields like those you might find in a nail salon or classroom can also impede normal airflow and ventilation. Under normal conditions in stores, classrooms, and offices, excelled breath particles disperse, carried by air currents, and, depending on the ventilation system, are replaced by fresh air every, roughly every 15 to 30 minutes. Here's the important part. But erecting plastic barriers can change airflow in a room, disrupt normal ventilation, and create dead zones, where viral aerosol particles can build up and become highly concentrated. Now, that's all I'll read from that, but this is very interesting. You know, we throw up these uh, plastic shields um, like that's going to protect us against an upper respiratory virus, and you say, people say, well, you know, uh, that's blocking particles from, from, from coming on you. Well, first off, 
how often do, do people sneeze directly on you? You know, we're wearing these masks and we're throwing up these 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 uh, plastic shields and we're in these plastic face shields as if it's common practice to just walk around coughing and sneezing on people. At least anybody who has common sense and has some kind of um, manners, we know you don't cough on people. You cover your mouth when you cough. You don't sneeze on people. You go outside to sneeze or you do it in your arm. And so there's this there's this theory out there that everybody's just walking around sneezing in each other's faces, so we need these plastic face shields. That just doesn't happen very often. If it does happen, it's an accident or it's a child who doesn't know any better. Um, uh, so the, the, the plastic shields that are being thrown up and have been thrown up all over the world actually may be counterproductive because they, they could be blocking uh, the air from being filtered every 15 to 30 minutes like it should be creating uh, what this report calls highly concentrated areas of particles. So very interesting there. One last story I'll mention before we wrap up the show today. Twitter, you know, Twitter's allowing the Taliban, by the way, Twitter's allowing the Taliban to stay on their platform, Facebook as well, and they're spreading, spreading their propaganda on Facebook and Twitter. Well, Lila Rose who's a pro-life activist, author, commentator, host. Uh, she published a video of a baby developing in the womb. A very well-put-together, beautiful video of what she's calling Baby Olivia. And this is like a, a artificial uh, video put together, an animated video of a baby developing from zero weeks to 40 weeks in the womb. A very beautiful picture of human life. And Twitter flagged her post as quote sensitive content warning because of a, a video of a baby developing in the womb i mean this is crazy the taliban can be on twitter but we can't show a little baby a beautiful baby created in the image of god developing in the womb absolutely backwards way of thinking we'll see you next time The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.